have your sports curiosity cured. In a four-on-three power play to win the game, and we go back to what we always say about the Oilers power play. Struggled lately, but a chance to win it right here. Bouchard scores! Right off the draw! Edmonton prevails! veteran of the sports reporting game for over 25 years. Here's Abanajad walking into the circle, sending it back for a shot by Panarin. In the corner, Lafreniere. Fox, down low, they score! Mika Zibanejad! Breaking down Edmonton's favorite teams. Looking for dry subtle. Edmonton started to snap it around now. McLeod, shot, score! Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. All right, here we go for Soul 115 on a beautiful morning, February the... 20th, uh, minus 7, heading into the Sports 1440 studios here at West Edmonton Mall, looking at a high of plus 5, and it's going to be like that all week long, and I think we're out of the doldrums of uh, winter, really. End of February's coming up. Maybe get some snow in March, and everything will be just douche d'abri around here. Uh, welcome to the Kevin Carey Show. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in on your AM radio dial, on your drive into work on Sports 1440, streaming on iHeartRadio. We got the TuneIn app, sports40.ca, all the platforms. If you miss parts of the show, some of the show, you can uh, search the Kevin Carey Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You got the Google and Amazon. And uh, be sure to subscribe and select that auto download so you never have to miss a second of the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Busy, busy weekend on Family Day weekend. Did you have a great family day? Man, Duke, did you have a great family day? More importantly... Did you have a family day weekend? Uh, my family day was, was on Sunday. Sunday? Spent uh, with my father sorting some cattle, which is always a treat. And mm. uh, we kept the uh, the arguments and the yelling to a minimum, which is, uh, <laughs> I'll call that a big success. That is a success on family day weekend. Uh, shoot us off a text at one 833 What was a highlight? A family day weekend, maybe for the Oilers. It was yesterday winning back-to-back games for the first time since the All-Star break. Oilers with a 6-3 victory in Arizona. Four goals in the third period. That's what did it for the Oilers. Three goals in just a span of uh, over two minutes uh, sunk the Coyotes. Uh, First of all, I mean, less than 5,000 people in there. That's what the Moulay Arena seats. 70%? Three quarters? Oilers fans? I don't know. Must have been around that number. And you could hear... The chanting, you know, let's go Oilers, uh, you know, quite significantly coming through loud and clear. It's an intimate setting. It's, as everyone knows, by any stretch, uh, NHL quality facility. And, you know, maybe once to play there a year is fine, but I I don't know. The the way that, and maybe we're just kind of a little... uh, tone deaf on it the fact that you know the Oilers are only playing there a few times and to see 
you know, first of all, that's a bad team. They have, that's their 10th loss in a row, the Coyotes. The atmosphere in the building is, yes, it's intimate, it's good, but it just, you know, there's under 5,000 people. That's just, that's not, that is not professional sports. And again, you could hear, you could hear the Oilers uh, fans in there and, and good on them. Good on the Oilers. Uh, I know a lot of people that were down there. Saw a couple picks. Some buddies are sending some picks. Uh, one Terry O'Flynn was uh, at the game with a nice cold Coors Light in his hand. 14 rows up, he said. So uh, congrats to the Oilers for uh, winning just the back-to-back for the, the first time since uh, the All-Star break. But, man, it was almost like defense was optional in the NHL yesterday. Minnesota, Vancouver, 10-7. Three hat tricks hadn't been done since uh, the early '90s, uh, and Yari Curry was one of the the LA Kings that did it with Luke Robitaille, and Donnelly was the third guy. But every game, it was like the Calgary beats the Jets six three. How about it just filter down to the Oil Kings, Duke? 9-7 medicine hat over the Oil Kings yesterday at, uh, at Rogers Place. It was a big game for young phenom Gavin McKenna. He had three goals for the Tigers. But, yeah, defense was just kind of optional. What's your concern level uh, for the Oilers? Second periods have not been – they have not been playing – too terribly well in the second periods. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Got to get to one text, Duke, that uh, came in from Archie about the NBA All Star Game. Did you watch any of the NBA? No, I don't think anyone did. But the the NBA All Star Game, no, and I missed Holy any I, like anything that I would normally tune into would be the Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. uh, festivities of the Skills Comp and uh, the three point shooting, the dunk contest, etc. But that's when I was uh, on my travels back to Delburn right. and then at the Senior Outlaws game, so I didn't catch a, a lick of it. Of course, the highlights. I think, which was the Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu uh, shooting contest. Uh, outside of that, I don't think anything really made waves this weekend. Yeah, Archie just uh, texted about the NBA All-Star game. For 15 minutes, I tuned in to check out the NBA's finest. And uh, just ridiculous amounts of uh, money, talent He's, uh, goes on. It's a longer text, but Archie says, maybe someone should tell these athletes that the fans of the game, they deserve to play a little more like five minutes pretending that they give a, a, a hoot. Uh, from Archie, but I, I think that there was a, a a real. I think everyone was really upset about how they. Oh, I mean, was it four hundred points? Is that what it was? I mean, I it's two hundred and one ninety. I don't want it, something like that. But um, displaced Yukoner says, uh, "Is there another fan base that travels as well as Oiler fans?" You know, um, it's a very that's a very good comment because the Oiler fans do travel extremely well. We've we've talked about it over the last you know five six months, Duke, about uh, in Nashville when when the Oilers are playing in Nashville because Oiler fans just love that you know you're you are in a perfect area down there in Nashville. I, I've never been to this to the Moulay Arena in uh, Tempe, but I would think that it would be you know obviously. A, <clears throat> Well set up, well organized in the sense of because, you know, it's a university and there would be a fair bit, uh, you know, the vibrancy, nightlife, etc. kind of in that area. But uh, very good point. I, I, you're right, displaced you, Connor. I don't know if there is another fan base that travels as well as Oiler fans in the NHL. Stair Farmer, good morning, boys. Vancouver's probably in an uproar today after that loss. Oilers' uh, second periods are bad, but they sure take over in the third. If they could only clean up that second period, they would be playing great. Very true, Stair Farmer. And, I mean, once again, 
head coach Chris Knobloch kind of goes to the to the whip, if you want to call it that, and moves the lines around to start the third period. The Oilers have been coming from behind, and Chris Knobloch has been changing a lot of the lines uh, late in the second period, heading into the third, and then he's kind of actually kept those lines for the following game to, for the most part, to set things up. But, I mean, you saw how the lines shook down to start. It was McLeod, Dreisaitl, and Kane to start the third, and then you had uh, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman. That line is from back to where it was, where they had some, you know, incredible success for like a month before being separated. And then you had Holloway, uh, Fogel, and uh, Corey Perry. So, and even after the game, you could hear uh, in... In the in his tone, in his voice, Coach K saying, "Yeah, you know, I'm I'm juggling a lot, and I'm not liking it as much as maybe I should be because uh, the way the team has played in the second period, it's forced his hand to change things around, to change the look, to get a spark. Oilers also given up quite a few goals as a PK." Has not been where it was, and no one expected to, you know, to be forty-one out of or forty out of forty-one, whatever it was, going into this little bit of a lull. Even though the Oilers did win yesterday, again, I mean Arizona, that's a bad team. That that I mean, Bukestad scores a couple goals. Arizona looks like who do you want to? I mean, Keller's a name that you want to watch. The only the, the guy that I actually was impressed with was the guy that the Oilers traded was Kesslerink played not bad on the back end for really you know he was traded for Bukestad to come over last year and I thought he played pretty well for a guy that's going to be up next year his contract comes up he's a UFA so um, you know former farmhand in in Baco for for a number of years and part of the part of the Bukestad trade so I I thought he played pretty well yesterday for a guy that's Still kind of finding finding his way. Daytona 500 was rained out, weathered out, whatever you want to call it, from Sunday. They had to uh, have the race yesterday. William Byron wins it. Did we talk about him with uh, with Colin uh, Livingston Duke on Friday when Colin came in? I don't recall I don't that either. name coming yeah. up. Because we were talking about the bets and where everyone was and... Um, I don't think he did bring up William Byron, but he wins the Daytona 500. So I don't know. That was another one where I, I don't know. I just didn't get into it, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you, because it had to slide to the Monday and you were kind of like the anticipation for it. I mean, the the fans of the race got what they yeah. come for every year with the, the big wreck, of course, in late stages that I think it took out 15 cars. Like that's... That's kind of the um, the, the one, one of the calling cards of, of the Daytona 500. You're, you're waiting mm-hmm. for the big one, and it came, and it's unfortunate for everybody that gets piled up in it. But, yeah, I, I caught pieces of it the, throughout the day yesterday, but it's it's such an event. Like, you're yeah. really pot committed. Like, it's <laughs> those, those NASCAR races, it's a lot like sitting down for a, an NFL football game where it's a full-day ordeal. I, I don't know if I could ever do that to watch, like, from start to finish. I could maybe pick it up. Like, I, have you, I assume you've never been to a, no. a NASCAR race? No. no. I wonder if that would be different to be there in person because from things I've read mm-hmm. and heard, I've had a couple friends over the years make trips down to uh, see some of these big yeah. races at Talladega and stuff. I and agree They there. say it's a, it's a totally different thing. They're not, like, they don't consider themselves NASCAR people or, like, necessarily fans of racing, but it's just, like, the event. To, to go to it a lot like, say, like a college football game mm-hmm. or anything like that. Uh, it's just different down there where the people care about it so much. You know, and it's different. When you say that, Duke, can you talk to American hockey fans? 
when they're watching the game on TV, they can't they can't figure it out. They can't pick it up. When they go to a game, they go, "This is unbelievable." Because it's just way different in person, as are pretty well every every sport that you go to. The one thing that I did like about the Moulet last night was, uh, or yesterday afternoon, was the camera angle. It was a little different because you're so close in there. Uh, and I, I think you heard the Oilers broadcast team, one of the 14, 15 rolls up. So you're right there. That's that's a game where you, like, that's like calling a Golden Bears game, you know? It, virtually identical, you know? yeah. So you get, you're right on top of the action. You're right there. Uh, I think you can pick up on... Uh, how excited you are to, to to do a game like that. I was lucky enough, Duke, when I was telling you when I was doing Oiler games back in the day, filling in uh, and doing them with Rod Phillips, we had to do a game at Madison Square Garden and and uh, Russian TV came in and kicked us out and we had to sit 13 rows up. And that was unbelievable. That was one of the best games that I had under the pleasure to uh, to call 13 games, 13 rows up at uh uh, Madison Square Garden. Well, we got a busy Tuesday show for you coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Alan Mitchell, uh, the lowdown with uh, low tide every day here on Sports 1440 from 12 to 2. He will guess with us coming up right after the break at 720. We'll go double barrel shotgun insiders. Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet on the mark for Booster Juice. And then Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff, our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter at 820. The Scotties Tournament of Hearts well underway in Calgary. Alberta's Selena Sturme off to an incredible 4-0 start. Beat Saskatchewan and Skylar Ackerman. Last night, it wasn't a very, I watched the game, wasn't very, uh, wasn't curled very well, particularly by both sides, but uh, Sturme 4-0 and, and beat Carrie Anderson earlier in the week, so that means she's really set up nicely uh, to move on out of pool. Uh, they've got two pools, A and B, and then you move on after you play your round robin games. Uh, but we will have Nolan Thiessen, uh from uh, Curling Canada. He's the CEO. We'll talk about well, the Scotties. We've got the Briar coming up in Regina, some changes in sponsorship, and uh, everyone kind of looking forward to the Briar. And, and, of course, with the Scotties here, another week to go. What a game for, uh, what a weekend for the Alberta Golden Bears hockey team. Ian Herbers will guess with us at 9.20. Herbie, here's your 9.20 wake-up call. <laughs> and uh, he'll be with us to talk about the Golden Bears. with a While well, they lose the first game in Saskatchewan, this is the quarterfinals for Canada West Hockey, lose the first game, come back and win on Saturday, and then on Sunday win in overtime to beat Saskatchewan two games to one to advance to the semifinals, and Alberta will now play UBC. Alberta's never played in UBC ever for playoff hockey. It's hard to believe, but UBC is a program that has come on. Sven Sean has done an outstanding. We went to the game, Duke. We saw UBC play uh, that Friday night. And they beat the Golden Bears. What was it? 4-2, I think. And uh, we watched that game, and you can see Sven Butenshawn's the head coach, used to be uh, in the Oilers' uh, uh, farm system and played many games for the Oilers and, and the NHL Pittsburgh, so he's turned that program around. At 10 o'clock, Dan Rosen will be our St. Albert Dodge Game of the Day. We'll probably do Games of the Day, look at a very busy uh, Tuesday night in the NHL. And then Jensen Lewis, this is, I believe, his third time on Sports 1440. Loud outs on Sirius XM, Major League Baseball Radio. Uh, great commentator, very good insight. Jensen will be with us at 1020 to talk a little bit about spring training getting underway in the majors of baseball. Exciting, exciting time. When we come back, Alan Mitchell, the lowdown with low tide, will guest with us on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report brought to you by... 
Fountain Tire. Fountain Tire is more than just tires. They offer a wide range of auto repair and services from their expert mechanics. Visit FountainTire.com to see all the mechanical services that they offer as we welcome in Alan Mitchell to the morning show. Good morning, Alan. How was your uh, family day long weekend, I guess? How was it? It was very nice. I had a really good weekend. We uh, uh, spent time together. I barbecued. I took the dog for a walk. The weather was pleasant. I washed the car. Hmm. I I guess I was pretending it was May. We'll put it that way. (laughs) It's kind of like the weather in May, but what did you barbecue? Uh, Hamburgers. I was going to do steaks, but I, I, I... I looked at the price and I thought, eh, you know, maybe maybe I'll do it a little later, maybe in April. Well, everything is uh, through the roof if you want to do some top-notch barbecuing. That's the way it is, I guess. But uh, what did you make of uh, yesterday's game in Arizona, Alan? Well, the Oilers traditionally, and I don't know why, uh, during, uh, you know, afternoon games are kind of lay an egg often and they did in the second period i mm-hmm. thought they were okay in the first they lost a little bit of the momentum as the period went on second period was poor like flat out poor and Stuart skinner who's had a great year and saved them many times was also not quite right goaltenders during the middle of the day uh we saw it yesterday not just for the oilers and in arizona there were a lot of wobbly goaltenders yesterday. I thought Skinner wasn't as sharp as normal, but in the third period, the owners, and that's a sign of a, a really good team. They, they, I don't know who said what during the intermission, or maybe they didn't say anything at all, but the bottom line is they played a very strong, powerful period in the third, and I know people are wondering why they can't do that all the time. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some days are diamonds, some days are stone, as John Denver said. So, <laughs> Alan Mitchell with us on Sports 1440, the Kevin Carey Show, 724 in Edmonton. Um, we saw Chris Knobloch change the lines once again, Alan. It's kind of getting, you know, he's doing it a little more often than I think he would like, and he said that after the game. But it seems every time he does make a little swap here and there, it sure works. Yeah, they, they, they. One thing I've I've always wondered is that it seems as though uh, when they're on the road, Drysaddle and McDavid play together more often, and I wonder if that's just trying to, you know, put together a unit that that is very difficult to defend against. But when they checked down to the the McDavid uh, Hyman Nuge line, I thought that worked really well, and the other lines worked well too. So uh, for for Knobloch, I think. You always want to have that in your back pocket. But what I do like about them, and you mentioned to Kevin, is that they, under Knobloch, they, they swap lines a little less often than they did under other uh, coaching staffs. And I, I, I think the continuity is a good idea. Mm-hmm. The problem is they only have, I call them guys who push the river. Some people call them drivers. But McDavid and Dreisaitl are just natural drivers of of. Uh, possession and goal scoring. So having them on separate lines and in the middle benefits the team greatly. And I, I do think that's the best deployment. But they were stale. Now I think they'll come back together, especially that top line of Hyman, Nuge, and McDavid. I think we'll see that against Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Oilers with a day off today. Boston is here tomorrow, the first of five straight at Rogers. Um, Oilers penalty kill unit, Allen, nine goals uh, in the last five games coming into last night's game, yesterday's game, had given up just one in the previous 13. What's going on in your estimation on the penalty kill? Two things. I think the you know coaches watch film and they've discovered some – the Oilers were very effective and for a long time. And uh, I, I think that, that other teams have discovered 
ways around it, workarounds. I know the Detroit game, there was a little bit of luck on the pass through. Uh, I think it was DeBrinket scored. It was kind of a flutter ball from, I believe, uh, Patrick Kane. But uh, they were unlucky a little bit, but now it's kind of gotten uh, to the point where other teams are are able to MacGyver through what was a very effective defensive structure. So I think they'll probably check down a little bit. And I also do wonder about um, the what they basically did um, when the coaching change occurred was they stopped using McDavid, uh, Connor McDavid, on the penalty kill. And I get that, and I think it's a very wise idea. But uh, until they get their their life in order a little bit, you may see a little more of Dreisaitl and McDavid and Evander Kane, who stopped penalty killing too, because the the fourth line guys, uh, you know, have been on the ice and they haven't done the job. I know DeHarnay has been picked on a little bit by fans, but I don't think you take him off the penalty kill just because of that. You know, he's got a the, the wingspan of a condor, and I do think he's effective in suppression. So, I would maybe would see McDavid more often on the penalty kill, Drysaddle and Kane a little more often, and possibly a little less of the of the normal PK guys. Vinny D was just a, a little off yesterday. I didn't think he had a very strong game. Uh, and then you know it was funny, Alan. I was mentioning uh, I thought Michael Kesselring looked just fine on the back yep. end for Arizona. So he came over in the Bukestead trade uh, last year. Nick Bukestead had a couple of goals. Uh, what do you think about uh, the, I mean, we all know it is what it is in, in Arizona. It's, you know, less than 5,000 people, but I mean, there's probably 70% Oiler fans. And of course there are tons and tons of people from Alberta that live in in Phoenix and area. And they go to a lot of the games. And anytime the Oilers are down there, it's a tough ticket in the sense that, you know, you don't have a lot of tickets to, to buy, but, I, I was really impressed with the amount and and the, the feeling in the building with the amount of Oilers fans there last uh, yesterday afternoon. Yeah, they they travel well for sure. The there's two things. Number one, you know, Oilers fans are like you know, Phoenix is a great place. Most Edmontonians have been there for a holiday. Oilers adding in an Oilers game, fantastic! What a great trip mm-hmm. that is. So, and I mean, the prices are high, but who cares? You get to see the Oilers on the road and. I, I think they sell liquor there based on what I saw on the stands. So it's a, it's a good time for everybody. But the, the bigger issue, Kevin, I think is, and, and like I'm stubborn. I'm a stubborn mule, mm-hmm. but I'm never going to get close to Gary Bettman in terms of stubborn. And I like I respect him. I think one of the reasons the owners are still here is Gary Bettman. There was a time when they were on their way or seemingly on the way to Houston, and, and Gary Bettman sort of sent a lifeline. I know people sometimes don't want to hear good things about Gary, but that is the truth. Mm-hmm. But he's gotten very stubborn on the Coyotes, and I think that, that you know the legacy is going to be a lot of owners who lost a lot of money and then several NHL-caliber arenas around the Phoenix area that don't house NHL teams. I think Arizona's going. I don't know where. Salt Lake, Houston, Quebec, Kansas City, I don't know where. But from the point of view of, of revenue, it's such a drag. I read yesterday, $50 million. And, you know, owners didn't get to be rich by, by not watching where the money goes. And so NHL owners are probably pressuring Gary, and I think finally we're going to see some activity there. there you could put that team in Quebec and instantly increase – the the salary cap just based on revenues and it's silly to to be where they are and i think that that you know i mean i grew up a california seals fan and there were reasons why they moved to cleveland and then were sort of 
dissolved into the Minnesota North Stars. I think I think Arizona. I know Shane Doan's records will be you know lost in the mist, but uh, from the point of view of of this league, it's astounding to me that that this is continuing, and I don't think it's going to last much longer. Alan Mitchell with us on Sports 1440, host the Lowdown with Low Tide from 12 till 2 on Sports 1440. When I look at this team, though, Alan, there's nothing that excites me. I mean, you have Clayton Keller, who is, yes, a very gifted young player. Well, he's not so young anymore, but, you know, he's in his mid-20s. After that, I mean, I don't even know if I want to watch any of these guys. I mean, I this team lost 10 in a row now. You know, it wasn't that long ago they were like 10, 12 points ahead of the others. Now they're like, what, 20 behind. I, there's nothing there that excites me about this team. Well, they have to, you know, a smart team. And I, I think their mad, general manager is a pretty smart guy, but he's building right now. And they need to, they need, he needs time. But, you know, you need to, you need to build a team and have, you know, Keller stay there for seven years and then all of a sudden, you know, he's somebody that you can build your, your team around and maybe sell season tickets to. And he's getting there. I mean, he's, he's, he's playing well. He is, as you say, somebody to watch. I like Lawson Krause. Uh, they have to draft better. They've got some nice players. The kid they got from the Everton Oil Kings a couple of years ago looks good. But they have to, they have to build and be good for a period of time where people stop thinking about them as the, you know, the sad sacks. Right now, honestly, Kevin, they're a, they're a store for other NHL teams. Mm-hmm. Teams go in there and they go, okay, well, you know, if you're, the, if you're an Oilers fan, you're going, well, gee, Lawson Krause would be nice. And that's the wrong way for a team to build like Arizona, but that's basically what they are. They're a store. NHL teams shop there. Well, Jacob Voracek still on uh, injured reserve for this year. Uh, Shea Weber's on injured reserve this year and two more years at 7.8. They, I mean, the this is a, a team right now that is in total, I think, total disarray. And as you said, I think it's an embarrassment to where the NHL is to have these guys, uh, what they're doing with everything as far as the facility goes, how the team is built. Uh, you mentioned uh, Dylan Gunther from the Oil Kings. I thought he looked lost. He's playing with absolutely zero confidence right now. I thought he looked lost out there. So, uh, Just your thoughts on uh, this homestand starting Wednesday with uh, the old Big Bad Bruins coming in here, Al. The one really quick note on Gunther, I, he did look lost, but he was playing against, like, they, they were matching him up against really tough competition. He'll be fine. They just have to, it's like watching Nuge, uh, you know, 12 years ago or 10 years ago. As far as the homestand is concerned, I think that, that it's really tough, Kevin. These are really tough games they have. I think they'll go three wins and two losses, and I think that, that fans will probably be upset that they don't look as strong as they did during the winning streak. But if they can win three of the next five, that will be a really, really good result for the owners. And I, I do think that they'll catch and pass uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I, I do, I'm, eh? I'm okay. not, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they're going to fix the defense. I think they will get a, a, a second line scoring winger. I'm just not sure how they're going to fix that defense because mm-hmm. um, there's not a lot out there aside from Tanev, and I don't think he's coming here. No, I don't either. Yeah, just a note on Gunther. I'm not trying to – I mean, the kid's only 20 years old. He's got a wonderful career ahead of him. Uh, but, again, I, I just thought yesterday he was, you know, again, lost. He, he was just out there. He wasn't sure of where he was supposed to be on certain assignments certain times during during the, um, um, you well, know, the play and stuff. So he's, he's, he's right where Nuge was. When Nuge came in, Sam Gagne and Sean Horkoff, 
were were the centers who were mm-hmm. supposed to be ahead of him. But Nuge was already better than the other. You know, Horkoff was was not. You know, he was older, and Gagne was not a, a natural center really. And so Nuge ended up taking on a lot of the tough competition, and and he really had a hard time. Same thing for Gunther. Uh, these are tough years for him, and it's too bad because you're right, Kevin. He should have a veteran guy yeah. mentoring him, like a really good veteran guy mentoring him, and and he doesn't, and that's that's a reflection of the Coyotes. They should have a they should have a really good like Adam Henrique should be on that team, and maybe Gunther plays wing and learns from him, something like that. Um, but they don't. So Logan Cooley and Gunther play together, and they get killed, mm-hmm. and and. I mean, it's a, it's a tough way to learn. Remember, Nuge, he had some tough years where, yeah. where you know, he'd, he'd be, you know, also in the photo. But when you're young and learning, that's a tough way to learn. Yeah, I mean, they do have some young, young, talented players. But um, how they bring them along here is so critical, so yeah, critical at this time of their, uh, you know, maturation stage and things like that. So do you, are you, uh, when you, when a team like Boston comes to town, you, does that get your juices flowing a little bit like uh, for tomorrow oh. night? Oh yeah, yeah. I I often uh, I'm not this time, but I often take my my daughter or son to the Bruins game, and we've seen many over the years. I remember uh, one of my favorite Bruins memories in that building is I, I took my daughter to watch uh, the Bruins, and uh, Martin Marichin scored like in the 11th shootout. <laughs> shot and it was he, he it actually went off his stick and he fooled the goaltender it was the funniest damn thing but i will never forget that the crowd went crazy uh because as you know marinson wasn't exactly a, no. a, a stellar offensive player but uh the bruins have always been before the orders arrived in the nhl they were my favorite team i've always enjoyed watching them yeah. and because i mean it's an original six team and great uniforms and you know fabulous players and they're a great hockey club they they're they're a team that I I don't think they'll win the Stanley Cup, but they've been in the window to win the Stanley Cup for well over a decade now, and that's that's a reflection of really good management and coaching. Boy, you bring up Martin Marinson. He was a very slight guy, a little. He was a, a little rail, uh, but he was tall. But remember, uh, uh, I remember Pascal Perez. You would remember him. And oh, Joe, yes. Joe Garagiola said uh, called Pascal Perez. He said that guy could have a shower and a shotgun barrel. <laughs> Did you know that the original Expos team had a pitcher named Carol Sembera, who was very much as you described. I think he was like six two and one seventy, and his nickname was the Pencil, which I always thought <laughs> baseball nicknames are the best. And I always thought the Pencil, like that's a that's a cruel and apt nickname for a string bean. All right, Al. Thanks for this. Do you know what's coming up on uh, the big program today at twelve o'clock for you? Is is Deck working the phones, getting the lines going? Yeah, he is. We've got Daniel Nugent-Bowman coming up from The Athletic. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that. Daniel has written some really good things about the Oilers and had some interesting tweets. Uh, Rachel Dory will also join us. We're going to talk about... a little bit about Yarmar Yager and the celebrations that that happened this weekend and about the... I think it was four seasons that he spent in Europe. If he had played in the NHL during those years, he might have been the one to pass Wayne Gretzky. It's going to be Ovechkin if he makes it. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit about that and the orders at the deadline as well. So it should be a really good show. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, 
Thanks for this, y'all. Have a great one. Uh, we'll talk soon. Take care, man. You're the best, sir. Thank you. That's uh, Alan Mitchell, the lowdown with low tide every day, 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock right here on Sports 1440. And the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. When we come back, we'll get to some of your texts. Not uh, a few people not agreeing with uh, my assessment of Dylan Gunther yesterday, Duke, but that's the way it goes. And uh, we will uh, check in with uh, some sound from the Oilers post game comments yesterday after a 6-3 win in Arizona. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. The 740 break means one thing and one thing only. The Duke and B.A. Brian Adams. Supernova texts in 1-833-401-1440. Gunther was very good yesterday. He shielded the puck very well. Crushed the Oilers in puck possession. 70% in puck possession. No goals against while on the ice. Scoring chances, 4-10. Scoring chances against, 5. He looked good to me, and advanced stats show that. Well, Supernova, okay, so you say no goals against, but he's minus 1. So I'm not exactly sure where you're getting your information from. I didn't think he was very noticeable. Uh, that's what I'll just say. I didn't think he was very noticeable last night. I think there's a heck of a player. There's a reason that he scored all those goals in Edmonton when he was with the Oil Kings. World Junior had a, a phenomenal World Junior Championship. He's, uh, I think, low tides right in the sense of he's only about 170 pounds right now, but he's only 20 years old. He's got lots of time to grow into this frame. He's a bigger, uh, like a taller player. Like he's not 5'11". He's about, he's 6'1", 6'2", but he's always been slight. When he was here, he was, he would get pushed off the puck at times. So, um, minus one was the empty net goal is what Supernova says. No goals against five on five. Bill Man, good morning, KK and Duke. Boy, if the Oilers play like yesterday, Boston will roll right over them. Why can't they play like it's the third in the first period? Have a fantastic morning. Thanks, Bill Man, and thanks for bringing those cookies in the other day. Man, those were pretty solid, weren't they, Duke? Bill Man came in with a little, little. was that Thursday or Friday? I can't remember now. Friday? I can't remember either. It was Thursday, I think, because... No. Had to be Friday. It had to be Friday because it was after, because Eddie, yeah, Eddie didn't get any. <laughs> Uh, King of Fort Nasty is talking about Al, uh, the lowdown with low tide. Alan Mitchell's uh, talking about uh, Quebec, Quebec, Quebec. The Expos are not coming back. At- oh, well, cheers, King of Fort Nasty. Um, text from Brett from Stony Plain. Or just from Stoney. Morning, fellas. The highlight of my weekend was watching the Kodiaks winning in overtime yesterday. The younger brother chipped in with the first goal of the game. Kodiaks beat Fort McMurray. 4-3 in overtime. Yeah, Supernovas. He must be pretty high on... I, okay, I mean, I I watched the game. I mean, I didn't... Dylan Gunther, to me, again, he's going to be a fantastic player. I just didn't... I didn't notice him. I didn't notice him as a, a, a guy that was in the mix going to the net. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, like, he played almost 19, 19 minutes. minutes. With the players on the ice that much, and I think about a lot of that was power play time, don't get me wrong. I think there was only two power plays for, I think it was one for two, right? But Arizona was one for two. I got it right in front of me here. Yes. Yeah. So one for two. But like, even if he was on the ice for virtually, even if you were to say all of it or whatever, because I'm just looking at the the breakdown of time on ice at five on five versus, um, but once again, and the empty net at the end, that impacts it as well because they had the net empty for. Almost two full minutes, did they not? 
at the end of the game, and he was on the ice for a bit of that, which is what Supernova is saying. The only goal against came at 6-on-5, which, yes, does count for plus-minus, which, once again, can kind of direct us to why that stat isn't a you know, all-encompassing one. It can be used in the right circumstance. But he had, I'm, he the, had two minutes, 23 seconds on the power play. The, the point being that when you're on the ice for 19 minutes total in a game, so you usually expect, and this isn't all the time, but in terms of a high a high skill forward, I agree with you, Kevin. Like I'm not saying he played bad, no, I, I, but he he was not he was not noticeable. But nobody really on the Coyotes were was were like I I thought the Coyotes' best player was Nick Bukestad. Yeah, and I mean yeah, he got a couple goals to show for it, but I thought outside of that, he was um, the the most. I don't yeah. know, impacting the play. I think Clayton Keller could probably be thrown in the mix there as well. But, um, yeah, I, like I, I, I'm on the same boat as you, Kevin. And we t- what Al said about, you know, patience and building and building, they've been building. Mm-hmm. Like this, the, I, I'll right hand up. I thought this year the Coyotes were kind of going to turn a bit of a corner because they added some some veteran players. They brought Bukestad back, Jersey uh, on the blue line, uh, the way Vimel could played, and then even when you factor in an unexpected surprise uh, performance of Connor Ingram mm-hmm. this year, who's been terrific, they still just can't get any traction whatsoever. And so it's it's disappointing. They just kind of keep uh, down in the middle of the pack there and will likely fall to the bottom of it by season's end. I, I, I had the Coyotes pegged just fighting for a playoff spot this year. I did. Supernova says he played 14-58, 5 on 5. I got yeah. him at 16 something. I don't know. But Supernova's got the But at one, stats. once again, he's, he's saying 5 on 5. That doesn't include the end of the game, 6 on 5 uh, situation. Well, he's got 2 minutes, 33 seconds of power play time. Yeah. So. And 5 on 5, 14 58. And then, so if you include a little, whatever, the time, the. Um, He's got, I got it 16, 19, even strength, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're splitting hairs here. Again, I just didn't see, I didn't notice him as much as Supernova did. That's all I'm saying. Which, hey, I'm guilty of this too. When, like, if there's a player in another team that you uh, maybe yeah. have a vested interest in, maybe like, watch case, him a lot more. Case yeah. of Genther, he played junior here, but I'm sure a lot of people in the community are still mm-hmm. rooting for him to have success. You kind of keep closer tabs. I'm rooting tabs. for him. Oh, of course, yeah. right? So you keep closer tabs on him. We're, all we're saying is that when we're looking at the game as a whole and not kind of getting a little bit of blinders on it, saying, I'm watching Genther every shift up and down the ice. Mm-hmm. He just didn't necessarily stand out. And that's perfectly okay. Yes, exactly. He's, what did you say, 20 years old, 21 20. years old? He's 20. He's only played 50-some games in the NHL. Yeah. You know, so after the game, Chris Knobloch had some post-game comments. Uh, he discussed, oh, my goodness, the plumber's in town. Howie Thompson, the plumber's right here. I can't believe this. Uh, <laughs> we got to get to Chris Knobloch. I got to open the door here. Chris Knobloch had these post-game comments uh, after yesterday's 6-3 win over Arizona. Goals in less than three minutes for your group in the third period there to be able to mount that comeback. What can you say about the response that they had? Yeah, we came out ready to play in the third period. Um, you can tell that you're playing a, a young, fragile team, obviously, on a, winning, or on a losing streak and feeling very tight. And, and I think with our group, we just took advantage of it and um, you know I thought we were level of urgency was a little bit higher in the third period and it paid off. What did you like about seeing Ryan McLeod alongside Leon Dreisaitl and Evander Kane with that little bit of line switch ups? Well Ryan's played so well with um, Leon um, you know through the month of January being on the left side and before it was Fogel um, but I think a lot of it is not only having the confidence in making plays, but also having the speed to break up plays and get in on the forward check to recover the puck and does a lot of those little things really well. And, um, you know, it paid off uh, tonight. 
first time at Mullet Arena. What can you say about the atmosphere here? Um, it's exciting. It's a smaller marina. It's, you know, it's like NHL caliber, just miniature sized. It's a little bit smaller, but I think it was a great, um, great atmosphere. What was it like uh, for your team now to win back-to-back games as you've sort of been going a little bit back and forth, but to put maybe the start of a streak together? Yeah, we talked about that, how we didn't have um, back-to-back wins uh, for about three weeks. and Well, one of those weeks was an uh, all-star break, but um, yeah, good teams are able to put together long streaks and good teams also don't put uh, long losing streaks together. So, you know, obviously getting back-to-back feels good and we just want to obviously build on that. When you are uh, making line changes, you don't make a lot, but it seems like when you do, because you don't do it often, it seems more important. Are you thinking about that kind of through the course of the game, or you come in in the second intermission with your coaching staff and say, okay, let's let's do this, or we should do this? Usually you're thinking about what's worked in the past and who's playing well at that moment, and, and it's good for the coach to be prepared, but also... It's not a good sign if the coach is too prepared and has a backup lineup and you want to, um, you know, I don't want to get in the habit of changing things up, but I think the way after the second period, we got outplayed in the second period, we're slow to pox, they really carried the play in the second period, and um, we just needed a little something to change things up. That's Oilers head coach Chris Knobloch following the Oilers 6-3 win over Arizona last night. Leon Dreisettel, one goal, two assists. A couple of goals for Evander Kane. Three assists for Evan Bouchard, continuing to climb up the uh, defensive scoring rankings. And uh, we talked about the line juggling, and you heard Knobloch discuss that again. You know, this is a situation where, as he said, you know, he doesn't want to get into the habit of this, but it's almost like he's being forced by the way the Oilers have been playing in, in the second periods of a lot of uh, recent games. Shovelhead texts in, good morning, boys. Was Gunther's name mentioned on the broadcast? I'm sure he's a gifted kid, but he's also open to criticism. Supernova is still on it. What Arizona needs is a veteran line that can hold its own against the competition. These young guys like Cooley and Gunther need to play easy minutes. Um... <laughs> It looks like we're going to have another special guest appearance. Old Bob is fired up today, Duke. And in case you're not familiar with this, Bob and I have had, the, I guess, a kind of a back and forth. Duke, would you say that in the, over a little, the course uh, of the last tete, few months? A tete-a-tete, I believe, is an expression the French use. <laughs> Bob says, uh, from that Oil Kings team, I like Robertson more than Gunther. Uh, is he still up with the Rangers? Uh, Matthew Robbins, Robertson? I don't think at the moment. Yeah, because he, he got called up about a month ago. I'll have to check on that. Uh, then Arizona has too many young players that need to get a couple of veterans to get their talent learning to win. Shane says, how would the Oilers look with Bukestead again instead of Brown? Wow, hindsight. Well, a little different, though, too, in the sense of what the contract is. So Bukestead, two years at $2 million per. Brown signs the seven seventy five, but we know what the big bonus is for next year coming on the cap. So that's going to be uh, an interesting scenario. Brown was a healthy scratch yesterday. We'll see how long it takes for him to get back in the lineup. Uh, Top of the hour, we will have Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet and then Frank Saravalli at 820 from the Daily Faceoff as we go double barrel with our hockey insiders. Before that, time now for... A Sports 1440 update brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. Our hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments were designed just for you. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.